Georgia just beat the Michigan Wolverines. He's with one. He's it for the win. Oh! So for the second time in three seasons, the Wofford Terriers come to Chapel Hill and knock off a top 25. North Carolina. Mercer has pulled the upset, and Duke is one second on the clock. Paladins need the end zone. Martin Pumphakes throws it to the back. Kyles, and he is short, short of the first down. And the Citadel Bulldogs are going to eight against a four and five team from the FCS. And here comes Montreal, Washington. Welcome to the State of the SoCon podcast about a tradition-rich, talent-filled conference that just so happens to be the SEC's daddy. I'm Sam, and I'm joined by Jeb and Mike. Over the past week, Wofford and VMI named new head football coaches. Furman lost a heartbreaker to Incarnate Word. Sanford, though, squeaked by southeastern Louisiana in overtime. UNCG almost upset Arkansas. Wofford almost upset Vandy. Yes, a lot of almost upsets. The non-conference hasn't been too kind so far to our SoCon schools, but there are still plenty of games to make up for that. Jake Stevens continues to dominate, but Mike Bothwell is also staking his claim for early season player of the year. Guys, we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. So we'll start with the football update. We had discussed last week the coaching carousel. Uh, When we had last recorded, there were three openings, Citadel, Wofford, VMI. At the time of this recording, two of the three have been filled. Wofford upgraded or took off the interim tag on Sean Watson and named him the next head football coach at the university. And VMI made a splash hire. With experience, NFL experience, Power 5, FBS experience, and of course, a ton of FCS experience, including playoffs, with Danny Rocco. Guys, what are our, what are our thoughts? I looked at the uh, VMI hire, Sam. I mean, Rocco, he's from Penn State, right? Yeah, yeah, Penn State uh, and Wake. Penn State and Wake Forest. Obviously, he he coached at you know FCS programs, Delaware, Richmond, Liberty. Yeah, head coach, like playoffs. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, dude, this is a splash. I'm splash excited. Higher. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting for them. Yeah. I mean, six it's kind of crazy. National, six-time national coach of the year finalist at his FCS schools. That's pretty impressive. I mean, he, so we, okay, we should splash a little water on the fire. Uh, he was fired from his last head coaching job. You know, he was, he was just an analyst with Penn State. Um, and I think, uh, who's the Penn State defensive coordinator? Roger, uh, uh, Manny, uh, Manny uh, Diaz. Manny Diaz from Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Another former head football coach. So it's kind of funny. Uh, Look, that sounds like Penn State had some old head coaches on their defense. That's the staff. name of the game. You get fired, pick up an analyst job or a coordinator job until you get your next gig. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but we should just, you know, we should throw that out there. It's not like he's coming from, I don't know, some school with a ton of playoff success that he just earned. Uh, he's definitely rebuilding his career. But 
I mean, he's a proven head coach. Shoot. He had he 16 played. years. Go ahead, Jeb. Oh, was Sam, he played at Penn State too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, under Joe Paul. And they yeah. uh, and then he transferred to Wake Forest. Uh, like some good Penn State teams too. Uh, right. I think, they, I think I remember looking up, they either went to the Fiesta Bowl or the Orange Bowl. That was back when bowls mattered. Um, and yeah, then as you said, transferred to Wake to finish out his career. Good old North Carolina school. His son is also an offensive analyst at Penn State right now. It's pretty interesting. Interesting little nepotism. But the fact that he was he had 16 years of head coaching experience, and in those 16 years, he won seven conference championships. Yeah, pretty impressive, including five FCF playoffs, FCS yeah. playoff appearances. So, uh, pretty productive. And uh, the amount of time that he spent at the helm of those three schools. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was going to say it's interesting uh, that VMI went with the splash hire, whereas Wofford just kind of went with not not that it not that it was a dull hire. Any time an interim head coach I think earns the spot is a big deal. It, it helps with turnover, helps with continuity. Um, but from the outside, it always seems a little too easy, you know, a little too easy and not exciting. <clears throat> and then especially. The last time this guy was a head coach, uh, Sean Watson, the last time he was a head coach was in the 90s when he was coaching for his alma mater, Southern Illinois. He has a pretty, I mean, a very impressive resume working on the offensive side of the ball. Schools like Pittsburgh, Texas, Louisville, Colorado, um, He was Nebraska. at Louisville with, with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I think he followed um, – Charlie is Charlie Strong from Louisville to Texas. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So when I saw that he was the offensive coordinator at Texas, I didn't remember that. But he was only there one year, and the Charlie Strong years weren't um, memorable. Mm, we should not say. very memorable. Not that Texas has had memory, many memorable seasons the last decade. No, and let's pray that continues. So yeah, he it, another cool thing that I liked about this is it really is the end of the Wofford triple option. For the longest time, they were competitive and dominated and had their dynasty, their SoCon dynasty of sorts with the triple option. They, they, I'm pretty sure the last head coach was the first one to move away from it. Uh, he was obviously terrible, not a, not a winner at all. Um, but with Sean Watson now being the na- named the head coach, they're definitely not going to be running the triple option. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about... The Sean Watson hire, I know it's an interim head coach getting hired, but I like his background more than uh, Danny Rocco. Yeah, from VMI. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think forty it's years different. experience. It's different, yeah. yeah it, but like, I, there's something we, about his 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 background that kind of fits the Wofford profile for me more than. Yeah, I think his ceiling's more clouded. Like we, I think there's just a little more potential. Like there's a perceived higher potential with Sean Watson because he hasn't been a head coach recently, right? It's been 30 years. He's only been on the offensive side of the ball at pretty big name programs. So you kind of get excited. And then he went three and three, um, taking over what was, well, what we thought to be at the beginning of the season, a terrible team. 
Um, I, I mean, that really – he earned himself a head coaching job there uh, oh, to turn 100%. that turn that team around and, you know, get the morale right. I mean, almost had a winning record. Uh, they almost pulled off the upset against Sanford. Definitely, I mean, an exciting time for Wofford. And then VMI, they were at the bottom of the conference. They didn't win a single game. So, yeah, we can say that the ceiling's probably a little bit lower coaching-wise, but that's only because this guy has a proven track record – of making it to like the quarter and semifinals of the playoffs. Like we're not even talking about a low, a low ceiling. Like it's a freaking high ceiling for VMI that is out of this universe. Uh, so it's, I guess it's all relative, but I, I think I agree with you, Joe. I think that the, a I mean, little I'm, bit more. Intriguing. I'm also, the, I'm also the guy, Sam, that said UNC Greensboro would be Arkansas. <laughs> Which almost happened, dude. But we'll I'm get, also, we'll but game. I'm also the guy who said that Wofford would have a good basketball season this year. And I was Which, with you, and I'm still with you. They are six points away from being undefeated against the SEC. They were my my other dark horse. So hey, maybe you don't know basketball, but maybe you know football. You know, <laughs> I think it's the opposite. Uh, I don't think I know either, but we'll. We'll carry on. Uh, so Wofford and VMI, they settled their coaching uh, vacancies. Citadel is still open. And just for fun, let me just see if there's any buzz. I saw uh, Coach O got tweeted out for that one. Charleston <laughs> sounds like a nice environment for him. I did see that. I wonder who did that. Speaking of interim head coaches to come on full time and that worked out well for, for LSU. Yes, it did. Although I think you and I could have coached that team. It's pretty worked easy. that $16 million buyout. Pretty easy. It worked out well for uh, Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. He got a he got a coaching job. <laughs> Nebraska, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's not the SoCon. We're not talking about that. Okay, there is uh, there is an article, but it's freaking – there's a – I can't – it's behind a paywall. Okay, whatever. We'll move on. I can teach you how to get past that. Sorry, Joe. I don't want to break the law. Uh, okay, so Citadel's coach coaching uh, position is still available. Uh, I'm sure they're accepting all kinds of applications, so feel free to apply. Moving on to our FCS playoffs update. Guys, we were so close to being 2-0 and against what, the Southland. What a day, though. I mean, mm. two incredible Ugh. games. Incredible. It, it's, we, Furman took a page out of their basketball team's playbook and started off so slow. I mean, did they, though? Like, they scored 14. The offense had the 100 quarter. and... I don't know the exact amount, but it was under 150 yards in the first half, whereas UIW had over 300. They might have even had over 400. Does it matter when they were scoring points? Well, they didn't score points in the second quarter. Yeah, they they lost because they didn't produce enough in the first quarter, or in the first half. Their defense was keeping them in the game at that point. Even though the defense allowed like 600 yards, they had very key stops and key turnovers to allow opportunities for Furman to not only get back in the game, take the lead, uh, and they provided those opportunities in the first half too, but Furman just couldn't capitalize. 
Yeah, I mean they won they won the first, third, and fourth quarters. They just lost the second quarter big time. Uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. had two interceptions, so you know their defense. And Incarnate Word, there was only twice this season where they scored under forty points. So to hold them to forty one. It's impressive. It's still impressive, um, yeah. even though you gave up five passing touchdowns. No, like that's that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't seem like the defense played well, but they did. Right. They to, for a team that's averaging fifty what fifty five points a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, you did what you had to do. Exactly. You know. So we talked about two keys, right? To the, to affirm an upset here: strong defense. In this case, it turned out to be good enough defense and then be able to run the ball. They just weren't really able to get anything going on the ground. Dominique Roberto only averaged 3.9 yards a carry. He had one touchdown. His longest run was 16 yards. Um, Yeah. I mean, Huff was their leading rusher with only 64 yards. Yeah, and that's not going to get it done if you're trying to control the clock. Incarnate Word scored a touchdown to go up 41-38. Furman gets the ball back. Driving down the field, they're yeah. at Incarnate Words 47, and, and Huff they threw, threw an interception with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then Incarnate Word just yep. ran the ball out. Yeah. Yep. We were all at a wedding. We were, you know, watching from our phones. <laughs> we were all at a wedding this past weekend. And Sanford was playing at the same time. Which yeah, was kind of fun, though, because we got to it watch awesome. it together. But it wasn't fun because Sanford game was in overtime during the father-daughter dance and we were kind of conflicted on what to watch. We watched both. Well, Sam and I were sitting like front row and there were literally eight cameramen at this wedding. Yeah. And so they're all pointed towards sorry, us. Kay, and so it's like, there's going to be pictures of us watching the game. Yeah. Like high-fiving each other. <laughs> uh, but back to the Furman game. So if Furman was able to run the ball better, their defense played well enough against one of the best offenses in the country to win the game. And that's what sucks is this frame team was good and they totally could have been moving on and they would have beaten who the quarterback who's probably going to win the Walter Payton. Yeah. He's officially in the top four uh, or top three for top Walter three, Payton. Yeah. yeah. With Michael Hires at number four. So um, I, I would say that this game went better than expected for Furman. Well, it definitely seemed that way, right? Because we thought Furman was going to get blown out at the beginning. I'm sure for a Furman fan and for the team to have such a prominent defense all year to come in and, and give up 41 points is tough to swallow. But, I mean, Incarnate Word, one of the best offenses that – Machines. Know, yeah, the question, was, machine. the question was, can Furman's offense keep up with Incarnate Word? And will their defense do something against Incarnate Word? Which, it, which it happened, right? Yeah, they just forced turnovers <clears throat> and got a few stops. But yeah, Huff just didn't have, just wasn't his day. He had an incredible season. Uh, definitely not the way they wanted to end it. But just one of those games. And just another piece of news that. Uh, kind of we thought might help Furman was that the incarnate word coach actually got hired uh to Texas State like the day before the game. Yeah. I mean he, he ended up coaching and he's gonna stay he's he's gonna remain coaching throughout the playoffs, but um 
you know, maybe thought morale issues on the team, then they're going to yeah, lose. Yeah, or just coach, a distraction, you know. Right. Anytime you know, you're not thinking about noise. executing is good for your opponent. Right. All eyes are on this Lindsey Scott kid, though. Man, that guy's good. Um, yeah, I'm excited but, uh, to see how I'm his be, career goes. I'll be real. I don't think they. I don't think they get much further. We'll see, though. We'll see. What time I is think that game Furman, this I think that could have been Furman's game, not big time, but comfortably. Uh, yeah, they got they got Sacramento State. Let's hope Incarnate Word wins because the winner. They might. Would play Apparently, the Sacramento State has a, a reputation of choking. So yeah, you never know. I saw that. Yeah, I found that pretty interesting because uh, they look six and a half point favorite. Remember all those all those big teams they beat this year, though. Yeah, no, this year they're saying is different. They beat Northern they... Iowa, Colorado uh, State, Montana, Richmond. Yeah, Colorado State was the other team. Else, yeah, know. yep. Incarnate Word did. I mean, they had a good regular season as well, but. Thinking of, uh, yeah, I think their season's coming Word to beat, an end. You know, they beat Nevada. You know, McNeese State's decent squad, but yeah, definitely be a fun game to watch too. Too bad All the right. Paladins aren't in. Yeah, it is disappointing. It would be fun to see. It'd be fun to see Furman go up against Sac State. Uh, well, maybe next year. So let's move on to the game the SoCon did win. Sanford beat Southeastern, Southeastern Louisiana without Michael Hires. Quincy Crinton, our new favorite player, freshman stud, uh, started. Well, I guess he didn't technically start the game, but he started after four plays. Um, yeah, wasn't that a surprise to see Michael Hires come in and start the game and mm-hmm. then re that wrist only four plays in? Yeah, didn't love to see it. Got pretty nervous. I mean, but Quincy balled out. Oh it was insane. Balled out. Four touchdowns, 26 for 40 through the air, another 94 Almost 100 yards. yards rushing. Yeah, and another touchdown on the ground. Back-to-back overtime walk-off wins for this guy. Kendall Watson over 100 yards receiving. I mean, yeah. so I think that it was um, it was the first quarter. First quarter, Quincy, uh, Quincy comes in the game, and you know, you're a little nervous. You're like, okay. We've really only seen him run against the one play against Mercer. We haven't really seen him throw. And he kind of just starts throwing these rockets down the field, up the seam. Um, and he's, you're like, oh, okay, like this kid can ball. And he he finished the game. He averaged eight yards uh, per, per completion. I so mean, he was, it wasn't like he was just dinking and dunking. No, absolutely slinging it. Did not look like a freshman that was on any type of of restriction from the coaching staff, right? I mean, it looks like the coaching staff had full confidence in this guy and just let him rip it. And it's one of those crazy things. And so after the game in his press conference, you know, they asked him, like, were you nervous? And he said, of course, like the night before I was really nervous, right? But he said that he wasn't necessarily nervous about executing. He said that he he, he, he gave the cliche line, I practice like I'm going to start every game, right? Like that's what everybody's told to do if you're sitting on the bench. But what people usually don't do is then execute like they were starting all year long. And that's what this kid came out and did, and it was insane. He looked so comfortable the entire game. It was great. Yeah, it was 
I love the rushing output from him too. Yeah, oh, he's dual threat. Threw threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns, and then almost hit the century mark in rushing over on 20 carries. I'm about it. Obviously, this game went into overtime, but yeah, yeah, is Uh, I'm excited for the next however long he's at Sanford, hopefully four years, obviously, but our future looks bright for the Bulldogs. I mean, hats off to to Coach Hatcher, the quarterback guru, no quarterback whisperer. The guy has never had poor quarterback play at Sanford, and that's I'm not saying that because he's that great talent. It's because he just finds ways to get these guys ready. Because I feel like every year when we have a new quarterback come in, I'm a little nervous. Like, <laughs> oh, we don't know who this guy is. Like, yep, Doc Hodges, who's that? Yep, exactly. Liam Welch. Like yeah, Liam Welch. Liam Welch you're coming off of Hodges. You're like yeah, we got to have a drop off. He was a freshman when we were seniors, and so I remember him coming in, and I was like, oh, "This guy's never going to start. Like he's just <laughs> another, like another, you know, probably going to quit the team in two years. Like whatever." And then he ends up being there for six years. Yeah. So let's talk about the not so good. So obviously Quincy and the passing game was phenomenal. Uh, we did not run the ball that well. We did not defend the run that well. I think well, we, we defended. We did the pass from the quarterback fine. from the quarterback play, but other than that, right? Yeah, not from our running backs. I should have said. Um, and we defended the pass fine enough. We got a very clutch interception in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was really the, the biggest play of the game, probably, other than that overtime fumble. But what's worrisome, especially heading into the North Dakota State game, is the fact that we gave up an average of seven yards a carry. That is not going to win you a national championship. <laughs> not against North Dakota State's offensive line. Now, I think as the years go by, you can convince more and more people that Having an unstoppable offense is just as good as having an unstoppable defense or uh, impenetrable defense. But (laughs) I'm still not convinced. I mean, you look at the time of possession too, and it tells the same story. Like they had 35 minutes of possession to our 24, Mm -hmm. which is wild. And so they, they were just running the ball down our throats. Steady, consistent drives. And that's a the problem with that is it has a compounding effect. If you're quick, even if you're quickly scoring, then your defense has to go back out there and they got to slog through another five, six minute drive of 20 plays or they're just gashing you up the middle. I mean, that is not, I don't, look, I'm not a football coach. I don't know what the game plan is going to be heading into Fargo, but somehow between now and then they got to find a rush defense. Well, let's let's talk about this this matchup with North Dakota State because you look at the numbers of North Dakota North Dakota State's offense, mm-hmm. and you're like, where is it coming from? You know, that's what I'm asking. I I don't know, like, how are they winning games? Now, I haven't done – I haven't 
they just win games, right? Obviously, they're ten and two. Yeah, they're the top five defense in the country, and they run the ball even without it. their star fullback. Yeah, their star fullback's out for the season. Which they just reload like Sanford. next man up. So this game is really Sanford's offense and yep. North Dakota State's defense. Hundred percent. Who's gonna win? And right? frankly, and that, who wins Quincy, on that side of the ball? I don't know what Quincy's drinking before the game. But whatever kind of special Gatorade they're mixing up for that dude, they got to keep on doing it because if Let's he plays they like he did, to North Dakota. if he plays like he did against Southeastern Louisiana, I think we got a shot. I could be totally—I mean, I could be so wrong, but I mean, Vegas doesn't think so. Giving us giving North oh, Dakota yeah. State sixteen and a half points, sixteen yeah. and a half points. So the. Uh, Football FCS ratings combine standard rank and an inference rank, which is basically does the computer think that Sanford will beat its next opponent? The Vegas rank, does Vegas think it'll beat uh, or how favorite Vegas, how favorited Vegas views it? Uh, Sanford overall with those metrics is fourth in the country. North Dakota State is seventh. But if you look at the Vegas rank, Sanford's 26th and North Dakota State is number one. Is that not how, how we fared against the spreads? No. Over the So it's it's uh essentially Vegas's line on each game. So heading into this, so I don't really know how 26 and 1 work out necessarily, but the Vegas rating takes i guess it's it's they're all computer rankings and the vegas one takes into account the vegas line on i guess any given any given team oh i see it's not result based it's right okay uh whereas the inference rating it it weighs the outcomes it's basically strength of record mm-hmm. it weighs the outcome of your opponent's games and then how you did against them and then uses that to predict future outcomes right and the standard is just the score difference. So that system really likes us. Uh, number one in the country. Because out of the top 10 teams, we have one of the best uh, strength of schedules. And because we're undefeated and with a really good strength of schedule relative to everybody else, then obviously that's where that's going to bump you up. But unfortunately, the Vegas rate ranking is probably a little more accurate given the context. Vegas knows best. Unfortunately. It's hard to beat Vegas. I don't know, man. I mean, North Dakota State doesn't have much of a passing offense. Right. Yeah, but that's the thing. They're averaging 278 yards per game. Like we Uh, their quarterback only has 1,500 passing yards in the season, which is less than half of Michael Hires. But we only Sanford only gave up 170 yards in passing this past game. And they scored 42 points. Yeah. And they, yeah. I mean, their offensive line is stout. They've got a, a projected second round draft pick, NFL draft pick next season. And it's not even fully healthy. Right. I mean, the this matchup couldn't be harder for Sanford considering how Sam mentioned earlier, our rushing defense, not the best, right? Last game. North Dakota State, rushing offense, good defense. 
you know, what do we always call that? We always call that the championship formula, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Run the ball, mm-hmm. control the clock, yep. play good defense. Sanford's well, one of Sanford. Right, used to be. That's old football. But that's how North Dakota State's playing football, is what I'm saying. And Sanford is different. You know, air yards. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, with Quincy, it might be different. I think this game might be a little different. You look at the team's stats over the course of the season. With Quincy, it might look a little different, but hopefully well, he's able fair. to get some yards on, you know, quarterback. You know, we, don't know, we don't know if Michael Hodges is going to play or not. Uh, Coach Hatcher oh. hasn't come out to say. Uh, it was similar to last week, but last week, Hodges started. He just activated uh, his wrist on the fourth play of the game. But Coach Hatcher has said in a post game interview that Hires is the toughest player he's ever coached, and you know he's gonna he's gonna do whatever he take he can to to play this week. Um, so you know I, I don't know if like the Vegas odds are, are taking into account Hires injury, uh, but regardless, you know Crittenden it didn't really seem like he he missed a beat. Maybe a little less efficient than Hires has been all season, but he's yeah. still able to to make the plays. Yeah, <laughs> the thing that sticks out for me on about this game is Sanford's third down percentage versus North Dakota State's third down percentage. Uh, North Dakota State's, you know, converting on third down forty two point nine percent of the time to Sanford's thirty one, and then you look at yards per game and Sanford's got the edge on North Dakota State at four forty two. And North Dakota State at 408, but that doesn't mean a lot to me with, you know, quarterback. We don't know yeah. who's going to play quarterback. Um, you've got a defense that Sanford probably hasn't seen since, you know, honestly, either Furman or Georgia this season, right? Yeah, that's what's crazy, Jeb, is Georgia is – Georgia – yeah, Georgia and Furman are probably the best two defenses that Sanford's seen this year. Uh, we didn't score against Georgia, but like obviously North Dakota State is not Georgia. That is not what I'm saying. But um, I don't know. Maybe it does help that we played Georgia. That's hard to say. We talked about that last week, though. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Oh, but I was going to ask y'all. So, uh, yes, Hatch is saying. That you know, he really, or he's not saying, but he probably wants hires to start, and he probably thought hires could start last week, but and, and he put him in the game, and he, you know, he's saying he's tough, and he and he is, um, but he, let's be honest, Hatch really didn't know what he had in Quincy, and so how much is it worth risking? against or when your biggest games in school history you know you're gonna roll hires out there even if oh he probably isn't even like 70 percent so now that hatch knows that quincy's capable of running the offense and is very good i don't think there's that same pressure in fargo to push hires because i mean let's be real barring a quincy dud of a game this ball game is going to be decided by how well our defense stops the run. 
because if all else is equal, that will be the determining factor. Because we have to score. Yeah, like that's a if given. all else is equal, I think this is just the pessimism in me because I'm pessimistic about everything. But yes, you are. Like, regardless, <laughs> it, 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 Quincy Crittenden, you blew my mind on Saturday, but it's one game. Oh, and come on. Dude, I'm not. I'm it's not a system, baby. In. It's a no, system. No, it, it absolutely is. I will say one stat that I forgot about was that uh, Southeast Louisiana was the number tied for number three in the FCS in interceptions on the season. Hey, zero. And we had zero interceptions. Zero. So baby. that's pretty impressive protecting the ball. I love it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just. You know, pessimism allows me to be pleasantly surprised. I think a legend is being born before our eyes. If he can go in and not know to get a state off <laughs> in the Fargo Dome, do you realize they've won nine of the last eleven FCS yes. championship games? Well, they've well more than that. They have. Um, oh, I got to pull up the stat on their home record, just in general. The stadium that holds nineteen thousand people. I really wish we were going to this game, guys. Don't even say it. It's not too late. I, I'd book my ticket right now. I mean, I had a ticket book. book. Yeah, I was going to say. Did you have a car rental? No, but I looked at it. It was like $30. That's not bad. No, there's plenty. I was just excited to see North Dakota. It sounds like an interesting spot, you know? Does it? Yeah. Why not? Uh, it's not Montana. I'd say okay, interesting I can't for find I can't find the stat I was looking for, but I heard somewhere that South Dakota State is either the only team or one of the very few teams to have beaten them in the past like four or five years at home. Was that this year? Uh, yeah. It's a two point game. Wow. So, it's very difficult to go in there and get a dub. So if freaking Quincy rolls in there, guns blazing. I mean, he's from Decatur, Alabama. They don't know what's about to hit him. It's going to be great. I have a very good feeling about this. Let's just look up flights for fun. See if that Nashville flight's still available. Oh, you know it is. I'm just flying straight to Fargo. I'm going to say six fifty out of Atlanta. Yeah, the price the price hasn't changed at all. Seven eighteen. Sheesh. All right, you guys want to talk some basketball? Yeah. Yeah. So let's just wrap up the game real quick. So we're feeling good. Uh, anybody want to give a prediction of score? Wait, hold on. We didn't even talk about how the Sanford game ended. Yeah, we did. Because it was epic. No, the the fumble in the end zone. That was epic. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. The defense, the defense forced two very clutch turnovers in their end zone. Yeah, so which which the first interception was what like third or beginning of fourth quarter. Yeah, but the way the what the way the game was going, it was you know a battle uh, back and forth, like unfortunately matching each other. So uh, Sanford's up seven. Southeast Louisiana gets the ball back. They score with like a minute left, right? Uh, less. Was it less than a minute? I mean, you know, we yeah, didn't really we had have like a chance. Thirty to, seconds with, but we had all three timeouts. Yeah, we didn't have that great of a chance to go up and 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 win the game. So it goes to overtime. Sanford wins the toss. 
they're on defense first. Southeast Louisiana, it's like a couple plays in. Uh, I don't even remember. Was it like a? All I remember is that ball coming out. Yeah, and he's, he's running on the sideline. He's on like the ten, five or ten yard line, and somebody from Sanford comes and punches the ball out. Yep. It's like I like watching it in slow mo. It's like rolling towards the end zone, bounces off the pylon into the end zone. Sanford falls on it. Incredible. Yeah. So all we like need is a field moment, goal. Oh. All we need is a field goal. Of course, we're gonna you know continue to drive down and try to score a touchdown. And Quincy, another walk off touchdown in overtime. Another walk off on what looked to be the same play, just to the other side. Right. Yeah, it did. Um, pretty, pretty kind much kind of untouched. a QB draw. But man, that ball just perfectly rolling out of the end zone like that. Mm-hmm. All right, we can move on to basketball. It was clutch. No, no, I want a predicted score. I want to, yeah. I want y'all on the record. I've got mine, Sam. All right, what is it, Joe? 38-35. Tight. Samford. Wow. Michael? 52-0, North Dakota State. Uh, man, I'm going to go 40, 48 to 35, North Dakota State. 48, 35, North Dakota State. Two touchdowns. I'm covering the spread. I'm covering the spread. I'm covering the spread. I'm going to go 55. 55-52 in overtime. High scoring overtime. They can't stop us, and we can't stop them. Actually, we'll on, I, take that, I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. I'm thinking... No I'm take thinking, backs. Yeah, I took it back. Too late. Let's go 34-28, Sanford. Overtime. In overtime. Yeah. Single Man, I was time. really looking forward to being the only game, one. Sam. Yeah, so the more I thought about it, the more I think North Dakota State's going to control the clock. And I don't think Sanford's going to have that many possessions. But I think we're going to well, capitalize on most of our possessions. The time of possession between these two teams is... Jarring. Pretty No, like the average time of possession, pretty even between these two. Oh, really? Between North Dakota State and Sanford? I thought you, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about... Yeah, South between North Dakota's Louisiana. Yeah, between Sanford and North Dakota State. Uh it's pretty but yeah, I mean, like you said, the defense on North Dakota State side. I mean maybe our defense maybe Sanford's defense shows up, but I mean that's the did, thing. They we did last game spots. and they have I mean to some extent they have all season, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. All right, we can uh, head on to basketball. Kickoff Friday night, seven o'clock, ESPN two. Prime time. Get it. Let's get it. SoCon for the win. Okay. So. <laughs> mm. 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 The theme, the theme of the season so far for the conference is what could have been. And once again, we roll into this week with what could have been. So I'll run through quickly just the games we pointed out last time, and then we can talk about whichever ones y'all want. 
So we pointed out Citadel at Charleston, not so much for the fact we thought Citadel could win, but more so for the fun of it, you know, a little, little city rivalry. Yeah, well, they lost by 22. We pointed out UNCG Elon. It was a win for UNCG. We'll put it that way. It was a win. They won by four. We like that. Uh, Wofford at Vandy lost by three. We mentioned that in the intro, the original old gold and black. And my brother, he said they gave Vanderbilt something else, like their first president or something. I don't know. There's some weird connection between Wofford and Vandy, more than just the colors. But they lost by three. Sanford uh, Central Florida lost by three in overtime. UNCG Arkansas, the call heard around the world when Jeb claimed they would upset them in the preseason, lost by seven and they were winning at halftime. It was they one of those winning games. winning with five minutes left in the game. Yeah. And so that was what was wild is they we'll, – we'll talk about it in a minute. And then the last one uh, happened tonight, Western Carolina at Davidson. Western Carolina just couldn't, couldn't come up with a win. Eh, that was another loss. But yeah, to the Arkansas game, winning at halftime, how much were they up by, Mike? Well, they were up by 11 like one point. with a couple minutes left. And then Arkansas kind of worked their way back. And I think it was like a five to six point game at half. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and you, you're kind of, it's one of those games, right? We're, we remember the UNC, was it UNCG Miami at the beginning of the season? Yeah, so kind of had the same feeling, or maybe even the UTC Ole Miss where. You're sitting there, and it's like, all right, great first half. It's We're like just kind of waiting for everything to fall apart, and it never did. Like, they battled, and it was back and forth for 15 minutes. And then, as you said, UNCG's winning with five minutes to go, and then just a couple possessions. Arkansas hits a big three. UNCG comes up empty a couple possessions in a row. Uh, a steal, like a minute and 20 seconds to go, sealed the deal. Like, it just... Didn't quite come together. It was one of those games where the good things were happening for UNCG too early in the game, yep. especially when you're playing a top 10 team in Arkansas, yep. uh, number nine in the country. I mean, Arkansas, like some people probably had them winning it all this year. They've got a stack freshman class, a stack transfer class. They're uh, good. Back-to-back elite eight appearances. And, and so – and even like Dan Bradshaw, who I love, is a Tennessee guy. Uh, he was one of the broadcasters for the game on ESPN. And he was like entering the game. He's like, oh, we don't think this is going to be a contest for Arkansas. This should be, you know, an easy game, whatever. So it was awesome to see UNCG up by so much. But really, like Arkansas was playing pretty bad in the first half. Uh, turning the ball over, not hitting their shots. They went on a seven-plus minute scoring drought in the first half. They were doing more to lose the game than UNCG was to win the game. And for that reason, I was sitting there like, ah, I hate this because Arkansas is going to go into the locker room and they're going to come back and they're going to yep. figure it out. I, but that's not what happened. No, they it's not. They <laughs> didn't go to the locker room and come back and like win this game. You no. know? Like Just sitting there waiting. It to wasn't that, until yeah. like, and we, you guys said this, but it wasn't until there was like four minutes left in the second half. And there was a foul on, I think it was, oh, yeah, I think it's Keandre Kennedy from UNC Greensboro. Yeah. Uh, and from there, Anthony Black made both his free throws. And then it was like, 
Donovan Atwell missed three pointer. And then it was like missed shot after missed shot after missed shot. Meanwhile, Arkansas so was shots. going down and they made a couple more free throws. Or no, they made a couple more free throws and then made their shots. And then before you know it, there's three minutes left and Arkansas is down like six. And then they just couldn't control. Then Arkansas has a control of the game, had control of the game. Yep. And it was one of the, it was a closer game than seven points. Yeah. But it got to that point where UNCG had to start fouling and Arkansas was hitting their free throws. Yeah. Which is what top 10 teams do. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I'm, I'm proud of the Spartans. I'm proud of that, that game. I'm proud of how they, how well they played. I wish they pulled it out, but. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. They look good. You, but, I mean, you as think... you said, Mike, they could have they could have jumped on them when Arkansas was down and had an insurmountable lead going into halftime. Yeah, I mean, they they given up an 11-point lead, uh, letting it windle down to a couple points was rough. I mean, for, I mean, for them to fight back early in the second half and re-extend that lead was still pretty impressive. The problem with them, though, just from watching a couple of UNCG games, like you look at them and they, they're tall, they're fast, they're athletic, especially for a SOCON team, but they're not very crisp. No. Like Furman, you, you watch Furman and they look like a well-coached team. I'm not trying to say that UNCG is not well-coached, but their ball movement just doesn't seem that, uh, that well. They don't execute on plays very well. Uh, they're really kind of a bad shooting team. If you look at the statistics on defense, again, tall, fast, aggressive, they're number two in SoCon on defense right now. Yeah, I was about uh, to say the defense looked good. Offense, last place, number 10. They're only averaging 65 points a game. Uh, and their field goal percentage is less than 40%. So I think they've got the athleticism that they need to – to win games, but they've got to really sharpen things up and, and start hitting their shots and be more uh, efficient on offense if they're going to, you know, turn things around by by SoCon play. Let's not uh, let's not skip over this Sanford UCF game. Mm. Overtime, another overtime loss. Moment of silence for the Sanford Bulldogs. <laughs> They're starting the season, what, 7-0, 6-0, and then going 0-4. Feels good. To their credit, Quez Glover's been out for pretty much all four of those games. Uh, the officiating in this UCF game was some of the worst officiating that I've seen in a collegiate-level sporting event in my entire life. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. And even the commentators were, were talking about how bad it was. And it was both sides. I'm not saying that that's why we lost the game because it, it was, you know, bad calls being made on both ends. But, like, they called 3,000 a row on a chore chore that knocked him out of the game. Logan Dye fouled out on a terrible call. Jermaine Marshall fouled out on a couple of terrible calls. And so we get to overtime and – Again, Quez Glover's not playing. So no Quez Glover, no Achor Achor, no uh, Jermaine Marshall. Cooper Kafis was not playing. No Logan Dye. Yeah, the only guy that we got our entire – What's that? 
That's not a winning recipe. No, the only player that we had on the court that could score was Bubba Parham. And so the defense knew exactly where the ball was going to go. And the, but even then, the game was not over. The minute, no, I, yeah. And the that's, minute that's left, like, Sanford got that turnover yeah. and could not convert. Like they could not get anything going after that. Like and, that's uh, the takeaway. Yeah, it came down to that that turnover and then we turned the ball over with like 40 seconds left and then we had to just play the fouling game. Yeah. I think Jaden really turned it over. Yeah. Jaden Campbell. Oh, it was Jaden Campbell. Yeah. But I mean, you know, even though we're on a four game skid. Oh, you're talking about Sanford's turnover. Yeah. It was either Jaden Campbell or Jaron really, but it was, it was Jaron really. Yeah. It was, it was, you're right. It was Jaron, really. Yeah. It's it's impressive though, like the their ability to stay in these games, uh, despite the, you know, their starters being out. So, no, you, you like know, last fight. last year we won these games. Yeah, we won someone said Ole Miss. we were number one in like yeah. luck factor. Number two in the country in luck factor last year. Who Dead said last. That? Uh, well, that's on the, um, Colin Cowherd. <laughs> that's on the, um, uh, the Ken Palm. About him. On the what? Ken Palm. Oh, it was. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a Ken, okay, like, and it's basically like luck factor is like the way I, I had to look it up because these stats all really confuse me, but yeah, it's basically you flip a coin uh, you know, just statistically speaking, the more you flip that coin, the more likely it is that, that you end up at 50-50, right? Uh, and so luck factor is just like, are you winning games? Are you losing games? It's kind of confusing. Okay. So like TCU in football this year would have a really high luck factor. I'd have to say they're probably like, if that was a thing in football, they've got to be number one, right? Yeah. Them and Bama. No. Mm. Almost losing to two sorry teams. Yeah, but they also lost to two good teams. And then barely beat Ole Miss. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they didn't lose. To, they deservedly lost to two teams. Um, but let's talk about the Kim Palm. Because uh, we talked about that last episode. And Furman had a pretty insanely high rating at 61. Um, but the net rankings also came out. So the Kim Palm, they're predictive, you know, right? They, they predict the future. The net rankings are cumulative. What have you done to this point? That's what the NCAA cares about. That's the one shrouded in mystery. No one really knows, you know, what the real formula is. And the net rankings. Mm-hmm. So Furman, they've dropped to 85th in Kim Palm and their 146 net ranking. Samford is 122. They moved up in Kempom. Uh, and they're 107 in the net ranking. So the highest net ranking SOCON team. Wofford is 137 in the Kempom. They moved up from 149. But they're 164 in the net ranking. Now, that they would be much higher had they won, you know, the LSU and Bandy games. They would probably, they would honestly be probably the highest net ranked uh, SOCON school. So Wofford, Wofford's looking scary. Then you have UTC. They they 
141 Kim Palm, they moved up almost 20, a little over 20 spots. Uh, and then their net rankings 120. So they're the second highest SOCON school. Uh, UNCG 168, they dropped in the Kim Palm. And then they're 220 in the net rankings. Now, the net rankings for UNCG, Mercer, ETSU, Citadel, West Carolina, VMI, you know, they're not good, right? 220, 233, 320, 264, 297, 333. But as we've talked about, it's because they're dropping, one, they're dropping games they should not be dropping. Uh, two, they're not winning ones that they could have been winning. So that's just kind of where we're at with the SOCON is you have the bottom half, of the you will actually have the entire conference losing games that they should not be losing and then not finding a way to win all of these really close games that could really propel some of these schools' resume. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Sam. I don't understand these rankings. So let me put it this way. When it says that Furman is 85th team in the country, right, in Ken Palm, that means look. it's a look forward. So looking forward, Kim Palm says they're the 85th best team. The net rankings say, well, but I, but the the way that the that Kim Palm is uh, like the formula, it has to do with point difference or efficiency yep. differential. It's right? what you've done and how you've done it. I don't understand it's how essentially a power ranking. It's what you've done, how you've done it, and what your opponents have also done. Okay, I didn't and realize how it they took did a, it. Opponent. So it's factoring in strength of schedule. Yeah, in a sense, it, yeah. it seemed like from what I was reading that that it was only taking into account uh, efficiency differential. So basically, you know, a f- offensive efficiency, which is points per one hundred possessions, defensive pos- efficiency, same. Taking that differential, and that's how you rank yourself but it's it's more complicated than that um yeah yeah yeah. so it takes into consideration strength of schedule we mentioned luck and then what you just said offensive and defensive efficiency and there's one more there's one more category too but i don't i honestly don't know what it is but you really just have to know that that's what they think is going to happen that's based on how you've played to the second and then the net rankings are kind of a more accurate depiction of what you've done so far, but really have no bearing whatsoever. And aren't honestly aren't even, we shouldn't read too much into it. That's why I kind of caveated. Yes. The bottom half of the conference is in the two and three hundreds. The net, net rankings ranking. are essentially but just that's up. because we're only, you know, ten, we're only 15 games in 10 games in. Yeah. As I say, the net rankings are essentially just an extension of the top 25 rankings yeah that's like the new one right because it used to be like yeah it's BPI the one the committee, it's the one the NCAA created and to like replace when, rpi when joe lenardi is going through and doing and it's also what gives you your quadrants so like you hear right, that your quad, quad one, one quad two yeah so we don't have any quad one schools yet sanford's almost there sanford's 107 yeah because if there's what 360 teams, give or take, you got to be in the top nine yeah, to be quad one. Getting close, yeah, getting close. And UTC's right there too. I mean, that's uh, that's the thing. If if 
if these schools, if we can just start pulling off some of these wins, it's going to go a long way in giving long-term respect to the SoCon. But you got to start, you got to start winning the tight ones. UNCG has to win that game. <laughs> just kidding. No, yeah, not so much that game, but you know the Miami game or the, Wa- the either one game. of the Wofford games, not necessarily yeah, both. Or Sanford, either UCF or DePaul, like not necessarily yeah, both, the, but just the losing all four. You know, like well, you look at DePaul though. DePaul's like one fifty or something. Mm-hmm. Or wait, they are um, one fifty. Yeah, in the net rankings, Jeb. Yeah, sorry, in the yeah. net ranking on the, in the net. I didn't look at the Ken Palm, but I think we were yeah. actually favored in that game from Vegas. You look oh. at. I mean, Big East schools like like Providence. <clears throat> you look at like A-10 schools, Dayton. I mean, these teams are all ranked like Syracuse is 165. I mean, ACC powerhouse school, you know. Hey, did y'all notice who was um, number two in, in Kimpom? Number four in the net rankings? Oh, yes, the team that's never made a Final Four. <laughs> we can move on. We can move on. Okay, so so big games coming up. So we are entering the final stretch, right, of non-conference before conference play gets started at the end of of December. So we only have a few more weeks. Um, But there's still – okay, I feel feel really bad for for continually highlighting the Citadel games. But we're going to just roll with it. Okay, so we have Sanford versus Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. The Raging Cajuns, just for fun, they are currently 90th in the net rankings. So it's a great opportunity for a quality dub. Mercer's playing uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Once again, just you got to start, you got to start stacking the wins. Who else we got? We got Furman. Go ahead, Jim. I know why you want to highlight the Citadel game. So we have Furman NC State. Furman could beat anybody. Uh, well, within reason. And NC State is one of those teams that is within reason. Really hope yeah. Vernon can put it together here. Bothwell's having too good of a of a start of the season not to not to have more than just one big win against South Carolina, which is awesome. We love that, right? We love that. But it would be really great to knock off an ACC school. Uh, then we have Citadel versus UNC. Now, Jev, remind us, UNC's not looking – not looking too hot to start the season, right? They'll be not 500. The best, not the best basketball we've played to start a season, but I will say as a North Carolina basketball fan, I like to play from behind rather than have a target on our back the entire season. Hey, whatever whatever you say. So this is a better position for the Tar Heels to come in and smack Citadel. If we were the number one team in the country still, I'm surprised we were playing Citadel. It could be some type of Wofford setup. I'm surprised you are still scheduling them? SoCon schools. <laughs> <laughs> Wofford owns them at this point. Might as well. They don't. How far how far behind do you want them to get before you start to get worried? Because I'd be a little <laughs> worried if I was you. You're if, gonna be 500 after this Citadel loss. You're only you're only worried if it doesn't look like the Tar Heels are going to make the tournament, and right now they're okay. Yeah, last year's a good example of that. Touche. 
And then the and this uh, is the same team from that tournament last year. So, well, that's why it's surprising that y'all are five and four right now, and surprising that you'd schedule Citadel if you were so confident. Well, aren't we happy that SoCon schools get to play? Such oh, a- we are excited, especially if Citadel knocks them off. I mean, for once and for all, they could claim to have the prettiest blue. It's the same blue, isn't it? How many national titles <laughs> does Citadel have? It's the same blue, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's the same blue. Uh, and then our last game that we highlighted was UTC and MTSU. MTSU top one or top 110 net ranking. I mean, look, Jake Stevens is pretty unstoppable. If UTC can ball out, quality win. They're on a roll. I didn't realize that they gave out conference player of the month awards. Or did yeah, they invent that until, for Jake Stevens? Until he started he, winning them all. He won three player of the week awards in the yeah. month of November. In fact, they even gave him out. They just announced the winners for football for the player of the month for November. The mocks have a couple games that are interesting. You know, they're playing Belmont mm-hmm. and then they're playing Georgia. I mean, even Middle Tennessee is a good. Yeah, they're yeah, they're a solid squad. Out of conference matchup, but you know, if the mocks could beat Belmont and Georgia, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, it'd be hype. Especially, yeah, I mean that's Georgia's last game before uh SOCOM play. So now yeah, is when be you, a little you, know, scary. you want to start getting your team right, uh work out those kinks because you can't afford to lose games in the SOCON. No. So Sanford needs to get healthy. UNCG needs to learn how to shoot. Furman needs to learn how to play consistently. Wofford needs to learn how to play up to their potential. And I guess everybody else is still just trying to figure it out. What can they do well? What can't they do? I mean, ETSU's got LSU at the end of the month before conference play. Stanford still has to play Belmont. I mean, they got wrecked by Georgia. Yeah. Hey, Brock Jancic's been hurt. Give him a pass. It's, that's my favorite player. I'm gonna pull a we'll jab. Give him a pass. That's my favorite player. Um, we'll give him a pass. We we love ETSU. We would love for them to have a great season. Yeah, this basketball season, ah, oh, oh so close to being incredible for the conference. Incredible. Just not not quite but, there. But like what 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 we're missing in like a potential at large bid, which I think we'd agree was like a long shot during the season. I yeah, think it, it was a generates more excitement for conference play just because. Well, yeah, now it's like all if, on the line. if we had to go through and like re rank our teams, you know, it's probably going to be closer than we expected. Yeah. Well, no, now I, versus there's still, I still where I was. There's still a possible. I mean, if like say Chattanooga of the Chattanooga, Furman, Sanford, Wofford, if any of those teams just essentially wins out. Or two of those teams went out, except for maybe one game against each other in conference play. Is that not a scenario where maybe the second team is considered? Probably not. That's I'd say maybe, but the problem is I'm like not gonna say the no. way because they they look at these net rankings and they the way they determine who gets in at that point is like your quad one wins, your quad two wins. Yeah, all they care about is net rank. And so they're not going to have the opportunity to to get quad one wins when none of their opponents are in quad one. 
And that's the problem with us dropping these close non-con games, right? Is if we had, if some of these schools had just eked out the victories, their net rankings would be sky high relative to where some of them are at right now. And then you would have an opportunity in conference to get a quad one win. But there's some, there's some quad two teams left on the schedule for like Furman and yeah, that's why well, the door the door is not slammed shut, but it's closing. Let's say Furman beats NC State. Yeah, I think Furman's still the best bet. They have the most impressive win with South Carolina, even though South Carolina is not like incredible. They don't have bad losses. And then a team like Chattanooga or Sanford just plays really well in conference play. Furman has to play really well in conference play. You've got Furman and. Or maybe you have Chattanooga or Sanford or maybe even Wofford winning the conference and then Furman in or or or, or the opposite. I don't know. Those, that's a scenario. It's that Yeah, I'm, I think that's yeah. the best I'm scenario. I'm talking scenarios, right? Well, uh, scenario no. is Sanford wins, which we want. But let's just say Sanford or Chattanooga wins. Really good conference play. Furman good conference play, but has the quad two wins or whatever against South Carolina and NC State. I actually don't know where South Carolina is, but if they move up, then that that's a scenario that maybe maybe Furman gets in. I'm going to read you all off. Miami, Penn State, NC State, College of Charleston, and Butler are all f- like 49 to 56 net rankings. All teams, NC State, the the lone remainder, uh, all super close, super close losses right there. Various schools. Mm. The only way it happens is is if we start, if the conference starts pulling off some of these victories. Yeah. So we got got two, two and a half more weeks. Plenty of opportunity left. UTC's got. There are 22 games left. Yeah, but I'm saying. So even if, if like. Are there any other big games you want to talk about? Or do you want to move on to shout outs? Do we want to talk about the Wofford coaching situation? Ah, yes, Mike. We can talk about the Wofford coaching Are you allowing situation. Us in? Yes. Even though we don't know that much. Yeah, I mean we'll have to we gotta preface that like none of like we you know, we haven't dug into the situation. We haven't talked we don't about have any the sources. program. We don't know the sources, so like we don't wanna speculate or, or spread any kind of false news, but uh, Wofford coach is, Wofford's coach, Jay McCauley, is on a leave of absence uh, from the team, and sources from the stadium have said that it has to do with multiple players complaining uh, to administration about practice time and, quote, other issues. Which sucks to hear, considering yeah. the close losses that they've had. And it's not like there's like it's not like a train wreck of a season so far for them. I mean, they're no, they're very talented. Yeah. So we just hope everything's okay with the Wofford program. I'm it sure, should make them know. better. Um, sometimes when you have a stressful situation, kind of get lifted like a cloud. Sometimes it frees you up. Now, with that said, sometimes it also is a huge distraction and can lead the team down an even worse trail because they just lose focus as a unit, only time will tell. Yeah, we'll see if uh, Wofford can continue to compete. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they'll be fine. 
<laughs> don't want to be dramatic. Yeah, about I it. think they're I, they're good enough to where even if they just rolled out there and didn't have a coach, they'd at least finish top of the bottom third. So with that, let's get to the shout outs. Mike, you want to kick us off? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I'm going to go the soccer route in honor of the World Cup. I guess the second time I've gone soccer for shout outs, but <laughs> this one goes to uh, JC Ngando. He's a, a midfielder for UNCG, sophomore out of Paris, France. Paris, uh, France. Paris, France, not Paris, Tennessee. I've heard it's a little overrated out there. Paris, Tennessee or Paris, France? Paris, France. No, 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 no. You heard wrong, my friend. No, no, no. <laughs> Fun fact, Paris, Tennessee is where my lovely uh, Black Lab Bailey is from. Oh. Fun fact, yeah. Paris, Texas is where my wife's grandfather was from. All right. So we love Paris. We love Paris. Anyways, Jason Gondo. Uh, so he won SoCon Player of the Year for soccer, all SoCon first team all South region first team and second in the nation with 14 assists this season. Holy uh, so he's a finalist for national player of the year. So wow. I thought that was pretty cool. That's Great way awesome. to represent soccer. And also made me think, why does Sam for not have a men's soccer team? Probably because of title nine stuff, but it would be say, awesome to have a men's say why, team. But maybe we shouldn't say why. Should we rewind then? No, it's okay. Yeah. All right. So that's my shout out. love controversy. That's a great shout out, Michael. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Jeb, what's Jeb, your what about shout out? You? I've got two shout outs. Wow. Okay. Not allowed. First, well, it's they're against the, the rules. They're on the same team. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's Fred Flavors from Sam. Oh, what a name. Fred Flavors. I know. I think it's my favorite uh, player on Sanford, but. Flavor Fred. Fred so Flavors. Flavors again. Hakeem Johnson, cornerback from Sanford. Uh, was he the one both, with the pick? Hakeem Johnson had he was the one who forced the fumble oh, in the Sanford nice. game against Southeastern Louisiana. Nice. And, I like it. Uh, Fred Flavors has an awesome name, but he also had the only interception in that game from Sanford. So, in the end zone, calling the defense out yep. the clutch two clutch plays by two awesome guys. I mean, I'm rolling on the same train, Jeb. Uh, shout out for the second week in a row, Quincy. No, yeah. uh, so I, have another, I have another shout out too. I have another shout out too. Um, but I mean, how can you? How can we not shout out Quincy for the second? Second. I kind of thought row? all three of us were going to shout him out, so that's why I didn't shout him out. I mean, look, I'm I'm looking online to change my Sanford jersey. They you know they only sell selling. They all sell number one. I'm looking to upgrade to number two and put Crittenden <laughs> on the back. <laughs> I don't know how to do that yet, but I'm going to figure out. But my second shout-out, same, same uh, sport, football, it's going to go to I, – you know, I don't know how to say his first name, but I'm going to try. Devin Shaw Maxwell. He's the UTC D-tackle. He's UTC's and the SoCon's all-time sack leader hmm. from the middle. Guys, he's a nose tackle and has this all-time sack. What? He's the all-time sack leader, yeah. Not an edge, not a linebacker coming off the edge, freaking middle. And so he was the SoCon Defensive Player of the Month for November. I feel like we just had to give a little love to the big man. I mean, that's probably the most impressive football statistic I've seen. A D-tackle with the, as a sack leader? I don't, we got our own Aaron Donald on our hands. He Unfortunately, though, he's a senior. So this was his last season. 
Well, if you were playing center, he wouldn't, you know. <laughs> he wouldn't would toss me there. like a rag doll. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, anything else? Anything else you want to say before we close out? See y'all in Sacramento. <laughs> See y'all in Fargo, baby. Getting that last minute plane ticket. <sighs> no, but seriously, we've got a, a big slate of basketball ahead of us. Obviously, the big Sanford football game. SoCon, uh, we're hoping you turn up. Hoping will you turn up. With that, State of the SoCon is out. <laughs>